Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Hey everybody, welcome back into the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Uh, today is Friday before the Patriots take on the Titans. We are joined again uh, and very appreciative that Greg Cosell, the um, executive, what are you now, the executive director? <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I'm Executive yeah. producer, analyst, NFL matchup, NFL films, guru. He's a, he's a friend of the program and reason I brought him in uh, again is because he does a, a hit every week um, with uh, Outkick and the guys in no, actually, Nashville. It's not, without, it's not with Outkick. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's with the uh, the radio station down in uh, Nashville. And okay. then I do a, a, a podcast with him as, as well called The Install. That's right. I uh, right. I actually have that saved on my phone and I listen oh, well, to that's it. that's good. A lot of times people should check that out. They get then not only do they do a lot of um, on the Titans, but they go around the league and they hit on everything. So everybody should check that out. Uh, the podcast is called the install with Greg Cosell. Uh, but Greg watches a lot of Titans um, for his gigs over there. And so with, you know, we think this is a big matchup in AFC, but I don't know what kind of Titans team we're going to be out there. The injury report just came out. The, uh, the Titans have ruled out, among others, uh, AJ Brown, uh, and I just I'm just trying to call it up to make sure I get everybody because there are some significant people on there. Uh, I'm having a little trouble with my internet in this hotel room, but let's see. Okay, here we go. So the Titans have ruled out AJ Brown, guard Nate Davis, Rashawn Evans, very good linebacker, David Long, a very good linebacker. Running back Jeremy McNichols leaves them with two healthy running backs. Tayer Tart, a defensive lineman. They also, Jayon Brown, another good linebacker, is questionable. Greg Mabin, Elijah Molden, another good cornerback. Jeff Swaim, a good a good uh, tight end, has been battling uh, concussion issues, but he'd see, he was full participant on Friday, so I would expect to see him out there. Uh, Greg. That's <laughs> a big list. It is a big list. And, of course, the Patriots have 10 questionable, but. I'm sure everybody's available because they are fully healthy right now. Uh, Greg, what kind of Titans team do you guess that we're going to see on Sunday? And, and you know, I guess we can use the te- Texans game as a jumping off point. Everybody saw the loss and said, oh, this is horrible. You know, they can't do this. They can't do that. Derrick right. Henry, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I watched the film, and I thought they were okay. I thought they were productive. I just thought that they had some really, really 
bad plays. And uh, but just where do you think the Titans are at this point in time? Well, right now, the, the biggest issue for the Titans is their offense, uh, because with all the injuries, they've really struggled to do two things, which are the way they play are very, very important, Greg. They, they do not run the ball very well at all right now. And in fact, they'll go with Dontrell Hilliard probably as their feature back. As you know, they cut Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I actually watched the Titans offensive tape before they cut Peterson. And I made a note that Peterson at this point in his career is just running to get tackled. So I guess they saw that the same way because they obviously released him. Um, <clears throat> but they can't run the ball. And they over the last three games, they produce no explosive plays on offense. They've had three 20-plus-yard completions in the last three games. Wow. One was a screen. One was a quick slant to Marcus Johnson, who's also on IR and finished mm-hmm. for the season, that he happened to run after catch to make it a big gain. And the third one was this past week against Houston, in which Houston busted the coverage. So they've really had no explosive pass plays. So when you look at an offense that can't run the ball – and can't create explosive pass plays, you're, you're going to struggle in this league. And one final point, and it's probably going to be true again this week, the three receivers who played the most snaps for them last week were Des Fitzpatrick, a fourth-round pick who they cut and brought back, Chester Rogers, who's been around the league, and Nick Westbrook-Ahini. Those were the three receivers who played the most snaps, and given that Brown has now been ruled out, I would imagine that will be the case again. Yeah, and I tell you the truth, I I don't even really know who those guys are. And you know, look, I was just uh, typing a note for BSA about you know the injury report, and you know the the Titans are probably going to have to go heavy on their practice squad. They have Cody Hollister, uh, former Patriot, right. Mason Kinsby, Austin Mack, and they signed Golden Tate uh, this week. So not yep. exactly running on. Uh, running on full cylinders here no so we'll see but they they have really struggled offensively their defense has actually been very good there's nothing wrong with their defense they did not lose last week because of their defense now they have a lot of injuries there as well clearly but their defense for the most part has played extremely well greg and their their front with jeffrey simmons Danico archery landry this has been a really really good front simmons is, is a really outstanding player, a really outstanding player, one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. Without question. I mean, it's just, it's it's unbelievable, you know, how much attention he gets, but also how many plays he makes. He's just dominating up front, and that'll be an interesting matchup. He'll probably get Shaq Mason a lot, and David Andrews uh, should be a good matchup there. What kind of coverages and how much pressure do the Titans bring? Um. The Titans have not been a high-pressure defense at all over this last <clears> – well, they had the winning streak, obviously, that ended this past week, but they had not been a, a high-percentage blitz team at all. Their M.O. in this winning streak uh, has been four-man pressure, and when they play nickel, they predominantly would play zone coverage, and when they played dime – they play a much higher percentage of man coverage. That has really been kind of their MO. Um, I guess we'll see, you know, they, the secondary seems to be okay. I mean, if you look overall, I think at this season, you'd probably say that they play a, a, a good mix. 
but they do have tendencies like every team. Um, they're probably more of a single high based defense than a split safety based defense, but they do play a meaningful amount of two shell. So they're one of those defenses. And, and we're very conscious of this, of this when we do pieces in the matchup show. So when someone plays against Tennessee, we pretty much say, oh, we can probably show an offensive play against pretty much any coverage because Tennessee does kind of do that, mm-hmm. but they are not a heavy blitz team at all. How, how do you think they'll, you know, bother uh, Mac Jones? Like we'll, we'll see Bill Belichick. I'm wondering if Rabel is similar. I haven't studied him that much. I see him when right. he plays the Patriots and he always does a good job. Will he try to take away, say, Hunter Henry from Mac Jones on third down in the red zone, or will they just uh, play it more straight? That's hard to know. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Vrabel does have a Belichick background. I don't think that's what they normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to start, and it's funny. I've been talking about that this week, and you're there, and, and you're closer to the Patriots than I am. And we know Mac Jones has played very well mm-hmm. given what he's been asked to do. But this is a running football team, Greg. Yep. I mean, you know that. I mean, if you add up Stevenson's carries and Harris's carries, they have more carries combined than than Jonathan Taylor. This is a running football team, and they do it old school. They do it without the quarterback being a factor in the run game. Mm-hmm. They do it with the quarterback under center. Um, almost 85% of Harris's and Stevens, Stevenson's rushes this year have come with Mac Jones under center. So mm-hmm. they are old school. Uh, And I think that's what's been lost because obviously everybody focuses on the quarterback and deservedly so Mac Jones has played extremely well, but they're not tossing the ball around the yard. This is not the way they play offense. And Mac Jones has been incredibly efficient in what they do. um, But it all starts for them with the run game. Yeah. And that, that leads me into um, another question. And I had some lingering questions about the Patriots that I wanted to ask you that if you had any opinion on them, including, so last week against the Falcons, Dean P seemed to get Mac a couple times on some pressures for a couple sacks. Yep. Um, do you are, are are you at all alarmed about that, or is that just a typical rookie quarterback? He'll learn from it, that sort of thing. Oh, I think he'll learn. Dean Pease has been doing this a long time. You know, he was obviously in New England at one point. I think he's a master at showing something before the snap and then what it looks like after the snap is different. He's been doing that his whole career. Um, I think we've reached a point with Mac Jones where we just expect him to play like he's a 10-year veteran and he's not a 10-year veteran. And there are going to be things that he just doesn't see as quickly as we kind of think he will see just because for the most part, he's played that way, Greg. But there are going to be things that he has shown that he's not quite seen or it takes him an extra beat or two to really decipher it. And, you know, in the NFL, if you have to wait an extra beat or two, it's a problem. So, uh, you know, they've done such a good job of I'm talking about the coaches in New England, uh, Coach Belichick, Coach McDaniels, of really controlling the situation for Mac Jones that he's not really had to play in a lot of bad situations. And they've been able to really keep him uh, from having to do that. So when he does sort of get stuck in the pocket, which doesn't happen very often, but it happened a few times in that game, as you mentioned, against Atlanta, we're surprised by it. But mm-hmm. it, it'll, it happened, and it will happen again. Yeah. Greg, you might find this interesting. But going into that game, I had – because I keep my own stats and 
from the game film, and I had him responsible for only one and a half pressures going into that game. I had him for three in that game, including two sacks. And I looked back, I think at the same point through 10 games, I think I had Cam Newton for 11 pressures, including nine sacks. And in Brady's final year, I had him for five pressures uh, that I that I put on the quarterback. So uh, right. Mac is in, in what you said about the running game and all that certainly helps. And they've they've certainly done a good job of setting Mac Jones up to succeed. Um which I think has been a standout part of this team. Uh, a couple other lingering questions I have on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we've seen, and I'm sure you've noticed, the Patriots have played a lot of zone defense since yeah. Jonathan Jones went out. Um, <clears throat> yep. To compound the Stephon Gilmore trade, Jonathan Jones goes on IR. They've played a lot of zone since then. My question is, how long can they continue to do that and play the way that they are defensively, which is really well of late? Well, you know, I think I kind of enjoy watching their defense, but you're right. They've played a lot more zone. And I think they'll do what, what Coach Belichick thinks is best. We know he's very opponent-specific. Um, who knows? You could see him because of the nature of the receivers this week that Tennessee puts out there, decide, you know what, this is a week I can play man. I don't, you know, we don't know that, but you're exactly right. I. I think this defense is fascinating. And, you know, there's a little bit of a trend in the league with teams. A lot of teams are playing essentially big nickel as their base defense. Mm -hmm. The Cowboys do it. Um, the Re Washington does it. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips are so key to what this defense does because of their multidimensional traits and their abilities, because they're essentially safeties who play linebacker. And, they don't really get hurt badly by the run game. So, you know, I think it's, it's a really fascinating defense, but I, I would, I would think that they'll continue to play zone if he's, you know, depending on the opponent, they're certainly comfortable doing it. Um, they still have a corner in JC Jackson who can line up against anybody that I know they feel comfortable with him. If they have to line him up and play man coverage, as you know, mm -hmm. you know, he's a very good man coverage defender. Um, so we'll see, but you're right. Since Jones went out, they really haven't played as much man as, you know, we always, I always looked at the Patriots in recent years anyway, as front multiplicity and coverage consistency and the coverage consistency was they played a lot of man mm -hmm. and they did a lot with their fronts. That's always been a Bill Belichick thing, but it, that has not been quite the case as much this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we all know that pressure ties in with coverage. And I think yep. that the Patriots have been given, been able to get away with some of their coverages because the pressure has been so good of late from Barmore and many others, but specifically Matthew Judon. I mean, who, yes. Greg, every week when I chart the games in my own sort of system, I mean, I have between six and 12, like impactful plays every, every single game. It's I've never, I don't think I've ever covered a defensive player and I covered Jason Taylor when he was defensive player of the year. I covered Charles Woodson when he was defensive player of the year the impact that he's had, how come teams aren't taking care of him every, every week? Or are they trying to, and he's just been that good? Well, some of that has to do with what they do with their fronts, Greg, because mm -hmm. sometimes you can set your front where it's very difficult to double team. And, you know, now you can always double team with a the back. Then it depends on the team and their philosophy, because a lot of teams, look, you know, you and, and I both know that every offense would like to get five out. I mean, yep. that's what you'd like to do, but, Sometimes you can if you can't protect. 
Um, I think there was a sense with Matthew Judon coming from where he came from in Baltimore that he was a piece of a really good defense that was highly schemed and that while he put up some good numbers, that he wasn't necessarily just a pure edge pass rusher on his own, that he was a kind of a movable chess piece player, which is one reason why when Bill Belichick signed him, everybody said, what a great signing, because he was sort of that guy that you could line up anywhere, because we know that Coach Belichick likes those smart guys. I mean, look, he does that with Van Noy. He does that with Hightower. These are guys who move around an awful lot, particularly when they're in their dime sub package. There was a sense Judon was more of that guy than, hey, let's line him up on the edge and rush the quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's become more of that guy this year, and apparently he's very good at it. Um, but they still move a lot of players around. And over the last number of weeks, Barmore – Another player who can line up in multiple positions across the defensive front, whether you're talking zero technique, one technique, two technique, three technique, four eye on the edge. He's another one of those players that can line up in multiple positions and be a factor as a pass rusher. So all of a sudden you're dealing with a, a defensive front that not only is multiple in its alignments, because that's always what Coach Belichick has wanted to do and has done, but now you have individual players who can win. And he didn't always have that. He always had to sort of manufacture pressure. Now he, he can still manufacture pressure, but he's got individuals who can win one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, it's been a remarkable turnaround for this defense after a slow start to the season. And certainly guys like Barmore and Judon. And, and Kyle Van Noy's come really come on in the past couple of weeks. And like you said, you know, Adrian Phillips is a guy that um, – I think I think it took them a while to figure out how to deal with the three uh, safeties between right. McCordy, Phillips, and Duggar. And Duggar, hey, you can tell he's playing faster now, and it makes them um, much more and, dynamic. And isn't he defense. about? He's about two twenty, two twenty five, oh, isn't he? He's, he's a, a big, big dude. dude. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he is. Uh, finally, let's let's finish up here because obviously you watch the rest of the league, and the Patriots are going into the teeth of their schedule right now. Um, it, how they do against the Titans and the bills twice and the Colts coming up could, uh, could determine where, whether they're the one seed or out of the playoffs. And so just wanted to sort of get your quick assessment on where some of these other AFC teams are that the Patriots will be jockeying for positions, starting with, uh, the Colts who seem to be coming on strong. Well, the Colts have clearly established an offensive identity that now starts with Jonathan Taylor. Although Carson Wentz has played well, but he's in a good situation. They're very effective with play action, both in the gun and with Wentz under center. Um, but there have been games where Wentz has not had to throw it a whole lot in some ways like Mac Jones. Um, and, and apparently their O-line is healthy. I saw that Quentin Nelson was a full participant in practice oh. this week. So he's obviously good to go. Um, so uh, they, they are clearly built on their offensive line as the foundation and Taylor, who's a really, really good back and is running better this year after a year in the league. You can just see that patience, you know, a lot of backs just want to take the ball and go, you know, <laughs> but in the NFL, there's a certain, there's a very fine line and, and a balance that needs to be developed. And sometimes it takes time between patience and decisiveness. And that takes time. And I think Taylor has really found that now. He was my number one back coming out last year as a runner, and I think he's now playing to the traits that were very evident in college. Um, the issue for them is potentially on defense because they're playing with two backup safeties, and I think that's impacted the way they play on defense tactically. And 
they're, they're, they can be beaten. They're vulnerable. They're backup safeties. It's Odom and, and Sandejo, who mm-hmm. seems like to me he's been in the league for 30 years. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but he's hanging around and he plays. Um, if you look at the Bills, and obviously mm-hmm. they played last evening, they're clearly trying to develop a running game that has value. They'll never be a high-volume run team or a run-first run team, but – they they were getting stuck, which some teams do, in just throwing it too much. And it's it's not just the quarterback then who who potentially has an issue. Their O line is not good enough to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game by choice. It's just not good enough. And Josh Allen takes the brunt then of the criticism. And there's nothing wrong with Josh Allen. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a really talented player. I personally think, Greg, he's the most physically gifted quarterback in the league. Now uh, that's a different statement than saying he's the best, but I think he's the most physically gifted quarterback in the league. Who could I won't be argue with best. that. <laughs> What's yeah. that? I won't argue with that. Yeah. I have some issues with Josh Allen, but I will not argue about yeah, how I mean, talented he is. I mean, yeah, like I said, I don't. Yeah. I would say, if, as we speak today, I wouldn't say he's the best quarterback in the league. Yep. But I think his physical gifts are off the charts. Yes. Um, but so they're trying to to really run the ball um, and and see and sort of make their offense more balanced. Um, Obviously uh, the loss of Tredavious white is huge defensively for them. And uh, we'll see. I mean, white, it's interesting, as you probably know, they have not really used him as a matchup corner. He plays boundary corner and Wallace plays field corner. So it it, it doesn't mean that they can't match up to teams because that's not the way they use Tredavious white. But he was so good. He, he was such a good zone corner. He had such a great feel for routes, a great feel for, you know, the term that, that Matt Bowen and I always talk about. He had a great feel for not covering grass because you see too many defenders when they're playing zone. If things go away from them, they just stand there. Tredavious White had such a great feel for squeezing routes, for going finding receivers, even in zone. You know, so that's a big loss for them. Yeah, uh, no question. A um, couple other teams, if we have time, that I wanted to ask you about, the Chiefs and the Ravens. It seems like the Chiefs are getting right, especially defensively. They've been yeah. uh, they've been great of late, and uh, we'll see if Mahomes gets all the way back. But where do you see the, uh, the Chiefs and then the Ravens at this point? Yeah, the Chiefs' defense has played exceptionally well over the last three, four weeks. Um, and so, And that's a big deal because – you know, offensively, they're, I think they're working their way back. Mahomes had, had become a player as gifted as he is, and he's a high-level traits player as well, obviously. But he had started to play with too much unnecessary movement. Mm-hmm. He started to play too much outside of structure. They're working him back with the way they're playing now. A lot more quick game throws, get the ball out, take what's there. I'm sure they'll start working now toward – pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. But as you know, Greg, you can't live off second reaction outside of structure of plays, yep. no matter how good you are at those things. And Mahomes may well be the best in the league at that, but it's still too hard to do that. That can't be the foundation of an offense. Uh, and I think they've, Absolutely. they realize that and they're, they're working to get him back on track and he's getting there. And with the defense playing as well as the, I mean, their defense dominated Dallas a week ago, just dominated. Dallas couldn't run the ball. They got great pressure on, on Dak Prescott. So uh, with the way their defense is playing, their offense can kind of 
work slowly back into being a really, really good offense again. And Baltimore, Baltimore's an interesting team. I know they, they win, and obviously there's something there that's good, but they're a tough team for me to evaluate. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still don't know if their pass game is, is high level. Their defense has not been as good this year overall as, as it's been in years past. So, yes, they win, um, but I'm very curious to see where they go. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson will obviously be back this week. He's still mm-hmm. the most dynamic running threat at the quarterback position in the league. And, you know, I think they'll they'll probably do a lot of that. Um he throws it better, but I still wouldn't say that they're a team that is a passing team. So it's like I said, they're a tough team for me to evaluate. Yeah, I, they they are going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to watch down the stretch in the AFC what happens because it seems like uh, the Patriots, Colts, and and Chiefs are all peaking at the right time, but there's still a lot of football left. Oh, there's still being I know played. That. That one extra game, Greg, seems to me like five extra games. I know it's you know it's unbelievable. I keep telling people, I'm like, I this year I can't tell. I said, talk to me like December nineteenth when there's right, four exactly. games left. Then I'll then we'll we'll sort of know. But uh, Greg, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, the Czar, the Telestrator, and everything else. Uh, make sure you guys check out NFL Matchup if you're not already doing that. Check out Greg's podcast uh, out of Nashville with those guys. Uh, a ton of good information. Um, Greg, thanks so much. Hope you and your family had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll check in with you down the road as we get rolling into the playoffs. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Thank you.